ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Giant Time is here. That's right, we're still talking Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, that are It's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from 1428 Elm Street. This is the dedicated celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film the characters now we're gonna unpack all the gory details of freddy's dead the final nightmare in the hopes that an indigent child who has suffered at the hands of their parents <laughs> that their death somehow uh will be made funny by us making jokey jokes about them and as always there's only one person that i trust then if i need a a ninja star she will be happily sliding them across the floor to me the one and only gina radcliffe how are you doing gina uh i'm good but before before we go ahead i'd like to to offer up a correction a um, sure a, a mea culpa if you will okay. uh, i said in the last episode that, that this is not so much a bad movie as a baffling movie mm-hmm. I, I i just want to say i i i don't i don't have enough i don't have so much pride that i can't admit that i'm wrong I was wrong. This is a very is. Ba- this is a very bad movie. Uh, yeah. I I, I want to yeah. go back in time. I want to build a time machine so I can go back to 1991 and stop teenage Gina from paying to see this. <laughs> I, it is um it is bad in a different way than Five is bad, but it the second half is not a tremendous improvement and it gets weighed down by all sorts of plot machinations that i am not sure adds to the you know repertoire of freddy uh krueger or his character or the mythos i mean we're explained a lot of things but gina does any of it make him scarier or cooler and it does not and and one thing that the nightmare on elm street movies did not lack from was a lot of references to incest and and i i think you know, after the the third or fourth, you know, give daddy some honey, come to daddy, and, and you know, my skin had crawled off my body and floated out of the room. It's, <laughs> I mean, there, you know, you can do, you know, a, a grotesque movie in which someone is tormented by the the ghost, if you will, of a parent who has molested them. You you can do that. It's not going to be an enjoyable movie, but you can do that. You can't do that in a movie where 30 seconds later, someone's making a wisecrack about something. It's, yeah. it's really uncomfortable. It's a little gross. It's a little bit disrespectful. And, and yeah, I think that, you know, they're trying really hard for a, a, you know, this is a no holds bar, super edgy nightmare on Elm Street. And I'm like, I don't want that. And, and, yeah. and apparently from what I understand, so this is something we can look forward to that the remake is all that. It's it's very yes. it's very incesty and 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 well not it's like very child molesty and pedophile-y and and I don't want any of that. It is it is already a hard line to toe, right? Because we've we've said this from the very beginning that the concept of having Freddy Krueger be this child murderer who was not convicted and is a victim of street justice. Um 
that a bunch of parents became Batman for the night and, and lit him on fire uh, because they wanted to protect their children. Okay. Like that is a, a morality play at work here. And then you could add in the concept of, well, maybe what if he was innocent, you know, and then, but the, the death curse haunts them still, right? You could sort of get that cropsy thing from the burning happening, or you can have him be a child murderer who just because they took him out and the death curse grudge exists that he has come back to finish the job while it is, you know, disquieting. It's not disqualifying as a concept. When you take it to this level where you state to the audience, well, I wouldn't have killed all of those children if my own child who witnessed me murdering her mom wasn't taken away from me. I wouldn't have done did all them child murders is like it doesn't. How does what? Yeah, don't Why? don't humanize him. Don't humanize him, and then you have him continue to make you know references to child molestation and and you know how much he enjoys killing, and then and then you 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 go through this little you know walk about of his life, and you see him torturing animals, engaging in 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 uh, self harm, and it's just like, what are you even doing here, movie? Yeah, I it is very it is confused. It is one of those things where you know <laughs> the great you know what if you know everyone you know likes Darth Vader, but what if I told you the reason he became Darth Vader? And it's like I don't I don't care. I just like Darth Vader. I I mean I don't like like Darth Vader. He's cool to watch be a bad guy. But I don't want to know the inner workings of his emotional state. And on top of it here, we don't get real inner workings of Freddy Krueger's emotional state here. This is all presentational. The the sequence in which he is brutalized by his father or <laughs> Alice Cooper, the outside father, the yeah, or I guess the adoptee. Who knows? We're never told who Alice Cooper really is because he's obviously not a, one of the hundred maniacs, nor is he Ghost Nun's dad, husband. I don't, again, so much is explained here, but then the explanations need explanations. So they're not very satisfying. But he walks in, like once Alice Cooper is involved, You've you've lost me in terms of trying to keep things on track. It's a celebrity cameo. The only time it has worked is Prince of Darkness. And that's because every part of uh, Prince of Darkness is disquieting. And it's a media, it's a meditation on media. So that's a component where John Carpenter is juxtaposing your wants and needs and playing with your mind. And here it's like, hey. Wouldn't it be fun if we got Alice Cooper involved? And everyone said, yeah, sure. And then they made a call and Alice Cooper's agent said, sure. And now he's in the movie. Yeah, I was, I, I, was, I, was exactly, I was exactly going to say that it looks like a lot of the decisions in this movie started out with the phrase, hey, wouldn't it be cool? Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't it I, be cool if we put this kid in a video game? No, <laughs> no. 
That Not is the this long. dumbest sequence in the entire series. It turns into, like I said, it turns into a Scooby-Doo sequence, which is fine if not 10 minutes later you have someone rem- remembering her father molesting her. And it, it's just like, you know, these are like two not great tastes that go even less great together. Yeah. It, every part of this is some element where the two halves of the idea just rub against one another the wrong way. And if you're like, let's take the gag of the townspeople talking to invisible children, right? So the idea is they're so mentally broken that they hallucinate that these children are there, which can be tragic or it can be a joke. And this movie thinks it's both a joke and creepy And because it thinks it's both things, neither is true. And it just works against its own purposes. And it's not that the people involved don't care. And it's not that they don't have any technical skill. It's they've chosen two paths to walk equidistant from one another. And they end up like Jean-Claude Van Damme stretching out between two semi-trucks. And then one of them goes, I'm going to Denny's. And... (laughs) JCVD hits the concrete and that's this movie. Well, I, I think it's also a lot, you know, you, a lot of times when movies don't work or they, they flop or they get, you know, resoundingly terrible reviews, the filmmakers will, will go back and say, oh, well, I actually, you know, I actually meant that to be funny. A, a, a famous version of a famous example, this would be Showgirls. Yeah. And then recently, I believe Fred Durst tried to describe his movie, The Fanatic, as a, quote, black comedy. Oh, no. He's yeah, it's, incorrect. It's not, it's not funny in the way he thinks, apparently he thinks it's funny. But it's a, it's a, you know, it, it's a save. You're trying to save yourself. So in, in, in refusing to commit to any sort of tone or message or style or even a plot that you know is cohesive and you know gets from point a to point b in a way that makes any sort of sense at all they can you know they can bounce off any complaint it's like well you know we meant to do that or we didn't mean to do that or we left that up to the audience to decide yeah and you that's the thing about this and pardon my hemming and hawing as i collect my thoughts but when you decide to make a movie, there's an intentionality to everything that you're doing. And granted, that means you go in with an idea, but not so rigidly that you don't have spontaneity, that you're not listening to your crew and your cast. There's an entire diff- entirely different movie made in editing than one that you produce when the cameras are on set and all that. We, well, we got that. But the decision here was we are going to end the nightmare and elm street series and we're going to explain some things but we also want to give the audience what they have enjoyed in the best versions of 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 the franchise and those things don't really jibe they don't work together and they end up harming the other purpose that video game sequence lasts forever and it doesn't matter that the undercranking and the wire work are okay-ish, 
but they are so out of league that from everything else that's happening in the movie that the cool stuff that's happening, the hallucination of the, the groovy colors that come out of the TV and the, how that wall disappears behind it. Like that's a good gag. If this movie was more that I would be into it, but it isn't. It's really dedicated to over explaining Freddy Krueger and his skeleton sperm pals yeah, which is also, Dang. again, something that's never come up before. No. Uh, um, you One thing that really, a, a twist, I guess you want to call it that, that really genuinely aggravated me, like like way more than I should be aggravated for this stupid movie, <laughs> is, is after uh, uh, John Doe and Spencer and Carlos have died, for whatever the fuck reason it's never explained suddenly nobody can remember them i don't even understand what the what that's supposed to mean or what significance all i know is that's something that's never happened in in any of the movies before yeah i don't know what why what exact plot device service because they they're only unaware of them for a grand total of a day but is the goal there to make Yafit Kodo and the other characters seem crazy for remembering them? Or is it just to demonstrate that Yafit Kodo has more control over his dreams so there is a way to countermand it? But it's not something that's yeah, but, then used by the characters who learn this trick. But dreams they, and memories have nothing to do with each other. Just, yeah. just, just like you know, when they're back in the house and uh, John Doe has um, what is the blonde girl's name? I continuously is it Tracy, the blonde yes, girl. Tracy, yes. She wants. He needs to go rescue Spencer, who is in stuck in this dream, and he's being treated like a you know a character in a video game. He tells Tracy that she has to knock him out. That's not what sleeping is. Yeah, sleeping and being knocked out are two entirely different things. I would agree with you. And she even, you know, like she's trying to convince him somehow, like I was taught a different way. And then he's like, knock me out. So she does. And then she's like, oh, I showed up in your dreams because I could concentrate really hard. It's like, but then no one uses that again. I, I, I just don't understand how this script was built. Everything seems to, like, they set something up and then it doesn't matter again. And is it meant to zig when when the audience thinks it will zag? Because no one in the entire audience who's been paying attention thinks that John Doe is the child of Freddy Krueger with the exception of John Doe. And as an audience member, I don't think I'm smarter than this movie. The movie is just bad at hiding things right yeah and 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 as you say they 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 put down a lot of stuff and don't pick it back up again like like i'm wondering you know assuming that freddie is actually dead does that mean that whatever spell i guess that he's put these parents in in springwood is that broken do they do they do they stop looking like weird carny trash why is there an artificial barrier around Springwood to begin? With? Why do we never see him interacting with them? I mean, he and again, is he? And, and again, what what is this hold he has over them? If he can't, if he can't enter the real world, 
then how does he have how does he have some sort of psychic hold on these people? I, I don't I don't know. I, it, because it's posited that they've been driven insane by the constant deaths and suicides of children in the town, but they all suffer the same syndrome. That's that's not really how crazy works. That's not how anything works. I, I feel like this is gonna be a constant complaint planktathon but unfortunately the movie hasn't left us with a lot i mean if you want me to go into detail about how terrible that video game sequence is i will but i don't think it's a benefit for for me to nitpick it like yeah it is dumb that no one taught robert england how a joystick works that you don't have to use one extended finger at a given time to make things happen. That's not how human beings in 1991 played video games or ever. But also, he keeps he during that entire sequence, he keeps addressing the camera. And, and I do not need Freddy Krueger to break the fourth wall. But then he doesn't do it at any point after that until he explodes and then comes out of his own mouth and re-explodes again. <laughs> which, hey, that's, a, that's, some straight, that's some straight ripping off Jaws 3D, man. I know. It really, well, that is the other thing that I feel needs to be addressed. We brought it up briefly in the last episode, but it is a legit question. Was this entire movie meant to be in 3D? Because so much of it, has different planes of action and people are poking at you, poking at you, poking at you throughout the entire movie. And then at the very end of the third act, someone puts on 3D glasses and everyone's like, everyone slow down. Don't move the camera. The, hey, look, my hand is going towards the camera. It's kind of like, but you had all that shit throughout the movie. Why are you just now acting like it's a 3D movie? The whole thing would have been 3D and it probably, at least for the audience, would have been a lot more fun, a la Friday the 13th 3D. Because the best thing that's going in there is that it's poking at you, poking at you. Well, I mean, I, I think the, the the funniest part of the whole movie is is when uh, uh, Yafet Kato gives Maggie the, the glasses and they're just straight comic book style 3D glasses. And he's like, and he's just like, yeah, put these on. <laughs> They'll help you in your dream world. <laughs> it's like, sure, okay. Oh, Make I, sense to me. <laughs> I mean, know, he's, it was he's like playing that, three quarters to camera, almost as if he's telling the audience, because that's what he's really doing. Yeah, it's, it's, here, it's time, ladies and gentlemen, put on your 3D glasses. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, I, I just picture, like, a bunch of rejected scenes where he gives her, like, a pair of, like, x-ray specs or, like, a pair of those glasses where, like, the eyes come out of the springs and, like, you know, here, try these on. They have special powers in his world. Yeah. Um, on a, well, let's talk about some other unfortunate things in this movie, like Johnny Depp's cameo. Yeah, uh, uh, credited as Oprah Noodle Mantra, which, okay, that's clever, <laughs> I guess. Um, his hair has an amazing ability to stand off the top of his head. It really is. Oh, yeah, he like hand. he like walked off the set of 21 Jump Street, like it went right to film this cameo. And for a very beautiful man, yellow is not his color. No, it is it's not. Doing nothing for him, which makes me wonder, like, who was 
who decided this movie needed to be this green? It is so sickly green. And it is a very distinct choice. In the Kruger basement, everything is green for a very distinct reason that I can't quite decide. Other than the fact they wanted it to look gross, I guess. Yeah, everything's but, everything's got this like layer grime on it, like the the uh, the 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 teen center or whatever it is the, the 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 hospital for the teenagers i mean that looks like some sort of like like william freakin's 70s like police station lobby <laughs> i was really looking hard i was hoping right that somewhere on this van somewhere in this decrepit teen center there was awesome graffiti and i was disappointed i didn't even get great haphazard graffiti there was there That's was a p- that there was a, the, 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 the band logo for Sepultura. <laughs> <laughs> it's just as good as it gets. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. Sepultura, the band everybody confuses, Pantera. <laughs> so in the Facebook group, the concept was brought up from a website that has never been right about anything. So I'm not even going to say them by name. But... <laughs> They've never covered any story that has ever had a centella of truth to it. They just put out ideas into the world. Apparently, somehow that pays real money. But the concept that they were trying to put forth was that there was a secret idea that Nancy was somehow Freddy Krueger's actual child. And that's why he toys with Nancy for so long. And... No. no, I just want to put that out there. I know I said it in the group, but I want everyone to know there's no truth to this idea. And when you watch the movies, there's nothing that bears this out. And we see how he would treat a daughter in this movie. And really, it's no different than Nancy. So I don't see how like I don't see how there's any evidence that Nancy gets it any less than anyone in this movie than than Maggie does, um, other than the fact that uh, obviously Heather Langenkamp has much better hair. And she's I'm a, sorry, and, she, and she's a much better actor. Not that you know that's not that saying much. I wouldn't take much effort to be a better actor than Lisa Zane. She is unwilling, unable, or just un. I'm not sure you can add it to any word, but she does not come off well here. This isn't. She does. She is the, she's the least convincing psychiatrist. She, she should never be left in charge of anyone. (laughs) The, the, the scene with Spencer in the video game, she looks mildly perturbed. Yeah. She looks like someone told her there will be no, uh, red vines at the craft service table and she's like oh i mean when you're when when the actor who's playing you as a little kid mops the floor with you as far as 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 acting is concerned you've made a terrible (laughs) mistake it is not a great performance but i I, you you could put a better actor in there like yafik koto does just fine in this movie as absolutely pointless as his character is he does all right with it well he's i'm maybe it's you're just grafting the gravitas onto a person who had appeared on camera for two decades prior 
to this being filmed and everything, or he's just that much better an actor. And I would put both of those up for bid, but you know, he's asked to do absolutely ridiculous and dumb things in this movie and say dialogue that is laughable at best. And you never feel like he's not giving it the dramatic weight that it requires. You don't feel like he's, he thinks he's too good for any of this. And there's a lot of nineties, like I'm unattached and I'm too cool for this. Like, Hey man, I remember all the lyrics to uh conjunction junction. I don't really need to act in this movie. <laughs> Who's sick. Ethan Hawkburn. <laughs> <laughs> Let's you, just say you, you've got a lot. Never lived down that role in I'm, I'm sure. And I know that he is a very good actor in a great many roles, but let's just call it what it is. He did not start out as a brilliant actor. No. And that movie is the worst. It is the worst. It it is. Yeah. It's for a movie that's supposed to be for, for, for us about our people, our struggle. It was no, 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 it is terrible. I, I did not. The last thing I wanted to hear when I came home from my six dollar an hour job is that if you got a job, you were selling out. Oh, the villain of the piece goes, hey, that thing that you made, I'd like to put it on television. She's like, no, I'm too good for television. How dare you edit my art? Look at you now. Guess who's all on television? All of you are. <laughs> fucking, I hate that fucking movie. Just the worst. Um, anyways, uh, I have only one finger of red wine left. Um, <laughs> Tracy has a line reading when she enters into the dream where she looks around and she goes with John. She goes, this place is incredible. No. No, it isn't. It's a warehouse. You're not like at the gates of Valhalla. It's a real practical location warehouse. There's nothing incredible about this. So if you show up to the location, it's like, well, it's just really a warehouse, no matter how we light it. Perhaps we should change the line. Nah, keep it. Don't. Don't keep it. Just change the line, everyone. Oh, <laughs> I did enjoy Freddy snapping towels. That was a nice callback <laughs> in the video game sequence. But was it an intentional callback, you think? I know. I do think it is semi-intentional because that's where the whole Johnny Depp thing comes from. That's where the Dream Warriors comes from. This movie is referencing all the other movies at later on in in the movie when John Doe goes, it's not a boy. They're directly referencing the it's a boy. Yeah, and and the way he the the that line is so awkwardly written. I, I mean, I mean, he knows it's her, right? That that the that the the Freddie's actually talking about her. So yes. why doesn't he say it's you? <laughs> I, well, you know what? Would you Looney Tunes it onto a bed of spikes from an unbelievable height? Uh, tell me how many, how well you do communicating, and then we'll talk. I mean, yes. you know, it's not a boy. Well, okay, what is it, a zebra then? <laughs> I mean, what a weird way to to you 
draw out a mystery that is really stupid and, and is not very mysterious because they already heavily telegraphed and telegraphed from the beginning that it's her. So if that's if that's trying to be a shocking reveal, they did that very badly. They really did. Um, speaking of things that were done very badly, the line reading of Spencer's gone. I couldn't stop it. Probably needed a take too. I'm yeah, there's a lot of a lot of the lines and line readings in this felt like one take. Like you know, yeah, we 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 only have this this you know we only have X amount of film. You know, do you get could try to get this right on the best, you know, on, on the first shot? And if not, you know, don't don't worry about it. No one no one really cares about the dialogue and these things. And you know what? That's fair. No one really, <laughs> no one really. You when you go to see a a, a slasher movie, dialogue is generally not high on the priority list. That being said, there's not a lot much else going on in this movie. Everything is the lead up to this interminable ten minute. You know, oh, you know, you know, Freddy Krueger's misty watercolored memories. <laughs> you know, where where you get to see a little kid torturing an animal in glorious three D. Oh yes, <laughs> again, it, I mean, I guess Avatar really was a revolution in three D technology because it didn't spend the vast majority of its playing you know dividing time just watching people poop or <laughs> squeezing out dry eyeballs or <laughs> you know watching a watching a fifth grader hammer a guinea pig to death and or watching react- or watching alice cooper half-heartedly hit someone with a belt yes over and over and over again to no effect and he's just like too busy to notice why does the camera linger on this for so very, very long to no benefit to anyone? And, I it and and and, and young Freddie for whatever reason has has howdy doody red hair. That was that was unexpected. He, he like uh, yeah. like t- teenage Freddie looked a lot like like uh, Rorschach and Watchmen. It was charming. <laughs> Yeah, um, he's got he's got an interesting look. Um, uh, I'm trying to. Oh, yeah, he looked like Nat Faxon. If anyone remembers <laughs> Nat Faxon, who's well, he's still on TV and he appears in movies. He's not like gone and lost forever. But it, you know, he maybe his most ubiquitous moment was about four years ago. But Nat Faxon was in the groundlings with Becky. And so anytime he shows up on screen, I'm like, hey, Nat Faxon. Um, but but he's got very distinct teeth. And so does Teen Freddy here uh, when he's done slicing his own stomach. Apparently, he harnesses the uh, roadhouse ethos that pain don't hurt. And then we see Alice Cooper smack him for forever yeah someone someone you know, in the making of this movie thought that they were you know very clever and very insightful you know in 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 figuring out how a serial killer is made you know they 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 you know, all they were missing was him like like wetting his bed at some point or setting a fire <laughs> that's all they were missing but you, know, you got the torturing the animals you've got him you know the, the self-injury you've got the abusive parent it's like oh good someone read a book <laughs> If someone had peed to bed in 3D, that would would have been fantastic. That would have really <laughs> amped this movie up 
to uh, to fantastic status. Um, another line rating that Tracy gives is she shouts, it's traveling time, which is definitely something a human being has said. So let's put that down on pen and paper. Don't, <laughs> not in pencil. Make sure it's ink. That's a permanent thing. I did enjoy Chub Rock making an appearance. <laughs> oh, <this>. yeah. Because <laughs> that definitely sounds like music she would listen to while, while working out. <laughs> uh, yeah. Totes. Totes for shows. Um, oh, my God. Okay. I'll praise this movie in one sequence. Um, for uh, So, Dr. Maggie... Uh, sneaks out. Uh, I don't know why she's sneaking out of the place she works, but she walks down a very grimy street and it's a very direct reference to cat people. The first one, um, the black and white cat people. And I think it's actually shot well. So good cat people reference. And again, and, and, and again, is it intentional though? Yeah, no, that has to be intentional. There's no way that that was done for any other reason than to provide atmosphere and make a reference to a movie that the director obviously likes and she should. It's a great fucking movie, but it, it just shows that like there is technical skill involved in this. Like it's not a bunch of doofuses who don't know what they're doing. It's that all of these very smart and capable people decided to do something stupid. Well, yeah, well, that's then, the that's the thing. I mean, the, the the video game sequence, while very, very, very long, I, I I think that in the end they had about fifty minutes of movie, and then padded it with an additional forty minutes. Yeah. It's not bad. I mean, it, it's you know on, on a technical level for certainly for nineteen ninety one. I mean, it's it's silly looking. You know, it, it very much has a, a Looney Tunes, Scooby-Doo kind of aspect. I mean, they even make the, the running sound effect of Scooby-Doo. Yes. Um, it's not bad. It's just, it's so totally off from, again, the, the, the incest references and, and, and the, you know, uh, uh, Maggie witnessing her mother's murder when she's yeah. a child. And it's just like, you can't. You'll be putting that stuff in a movie and then having jokes on top of that. It, it's a, it just doesn't it, it doesn't you know mesh together well at all. None of this works well. I, I I have to believe that some of it is like everyone involved in this movie saw Evil Dead Two and they're like, oh my god, that's so brilliant! Like how it rides the line of outrageous, outlandish physical comedy and abject terror, like. It is crazy and it is funny and it is so very, very gory. It's disquieting. Well, Evil Dead 2. It's of Evil Dead 2. It's funny in an uncomfortable way. It's funny because you are watching someone basically lose his mind. (laughs) Whereas, you know, in this, it's just like, oh, look at this kid bouncing up and down like he's on an invisible pogo stick. That's funny, right? It's like, I. I, Mm I suppose, sure. Yeah. Um, the one thing during uh, the flashback scene to Maggie's childhood and, and her discovering the secret cachet that uh, Mrs. Mrs. Kruger walks out of the, the basement saying, I won't tell. Like, Has he already started killing people? Because again, that that's they're contradicting their own 
mythos? Has she found so, like body parts or something in there? But all of those prototype gloves, and by the way, newsflash everyone, there were prototype gloves. Like some have tiny little hooks and some <laughs> kind of have nails on the end of them and I, I just, tried I just, a bunch I, of variations. I, I just want to wish there was like a like a like a bonus feature of him just trying all these gloves and like nah, <laughs> nah. And then like you're putting one on, like the all all the parts fall off, or like you know, <laughs> putting one on, he's got like little tiny chainsaws and just like nah. Doesn't work. It's gonna be too noisy. I'm not gonna be able to really sneak up on anybody. Get some with just forks. He's got um, amongst the things he has hidden in his basement is a plate of cookies. And I, I still, I finished watching it about an hour and a half ago. I'm still trying to ponder what that is supposed to mean. Is he setting out cookies to draw in children like a kitten with a bowl of milk? It's it, what is that his plan? Do. Yeah, it's what real estate people do when they bake cookies in a house that they're showing to make it seem like a home. So he's luring children in and then he's like, hey, you want to see my jar of snakes? What is the jar of snakes doing there, Gina? What is how does that help him in his quest to kill 20 plus children? Um, but hey, and Mrs. Kruger, like she's saying, I, I I'm not gonna tell I, I'm I'm totes cool with this if this is what you're doing in your off time. It's like, nope, you gotta die. So let me get this straight. When we are originally uh, told of the backstory of Freddy Krueger, it is that he was this child murderer who was brought up on charges. And because they could not execute the search warrant properly, that all the evidence was thrown out. And so he was not convicted and set free. Does this mean that his the murder of his wife went uninvestigated? He got away with that? With the murder of his wife that he did in broad daylight in his backyard. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, either this movie proposes that her getting taken away from him starts his life of child murdering, but we're also presented with visual evidence that he's already done a bunch of child murdering. His wife is willing to be quiet about it and he kills her and then Maggie gives him up to the police. So which one is it? Because the movie actually posits both. Right, right. That's what I'm talking about. It is they put down a lot of things, uh, sometimes the same thing in two different versions and, and yeah. they, they never they never pick it up. It's just... I just don't understand why it needs to be so grandiose in so many ways. But then it's like you're anytime there's supposed to be a major confrontation. It's so small stakes. Like they have people falling out of the sky and giant effect sequences where houses transform into other houses. And then people have a fight scene and it's just two people in a room again having a so-so kickboxing match. Why does New Line believe that kicking Freddy Krueger is something that makes for riveting (laughs) cinematic work? We've seen this now over and over and over and over again, and it almost never works out. Yeah, but here uh, this movie uh, gives it to you again. 
apparently Springwood has one of the best kickboxing teams in all the United States who, who would, <laughs> they would go to the Olympics, but everybody ends up getting killed. At least the last time I was given a sensual dojo during an invisible man fight here, you just every single time you're physically confronting Freddy Krueger, it turns into this weightless brawl where no one takes any real damage and it doesn't matter. So why are we wasting all this time having fist fights with fucking Freddy Krueger? Like we're on the fall guy. Like, <laughs> this should mean something. I, I'm not sure. And you're right. Yeah. It, it is a, a, a running thing where people are, are, are so terrified of this monster that could visit you in your dreams and, and, you know, if you die in your dream, you will never wake up in real life. And yet everybody ultimately engages in very close hand-to-hand combat with <laughs> And, you know, I, I'm not going to get that close to someone that, that has been terrorizing me in my dreams. I, I don't care what sort of, you know, super dream power I, I have been given. But ultimately, you know, ultimately, everybody ends up getting way up in his face and hitting him and touching him. And, and I'm just like, why would you do that? Why would you get that close to him? When you know perfectly well what he can do. At least the Tracy fight, like she picks up an object and uses that coffee pot like it's a mace. And you're like, oh, okay. I mean, I guess. But it doesn't do any real damage. She's not winning that fight. She's elongating the scene. Either it does damage and he's actually hurt by it because he doesn't have enough souls in his body or whatnot. Or it doesn't. And then... The insult to injury is when he starts cutting off his own fingers and recounting the very many ways people have tried to murder him. And he uses like they try, they tried to burn me. They tried to bury me. And then they tried holy water. Like, are you <laughs> Oprah? What the fuck is happening? Is, is, does everyone get a car? Do you get a car? Do you get a car? Everyone gets a car because of holy water. It's just like, it doesn't work comedically and it doesn't make him scarier. So what's the point of any of this? It it just, it seems like a real swing and a miss is what it comes down to. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. (laughs) Listen, I I got angry at the whole, uh, uh, you know, what are you talking about? There were never any kids by that name here. I'm like, I'm like, what? <laughs> what is this? Now they, they now these people are suffering from some sort of you know psychic del- you know shared delusion that you know these three kids that you know were in their 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 teen clinic suddenly they don't remember them anymore. I don't. Why? Why is this a thing now? I don't know. It, but and again, it, it comes to it comes to nothing. It comes to nothing. Maggie has a 45 second conversation with her boss and her boss is like, well, maybe you should get some rest. And then that's it. That's it. So why did they need to be forgotten in the first place? Why do we go through this rigmarole? How does it complicate them trying to kill Freddy? How does it make it more difficult? It doesn't. You know, do they suffer any consequences for it? Nope. It would have been more interesting if they had fired her for getting too children disappeared under her direct supervision that would have been consequence yeah and and she has to figure out how to do this on her own 
Yes, that that she's you're not allowed in this facility. I don't want you talking to any of these children. You're fired, and somehow that makes her ability to then combat Freddie picking off kids now in this facility more difficult. You know where they actually accomplished that? Weirdly enough, with Craig, Craig fucking Watson. <laughs> Dream warriors. So they're like, ah, I'm going to zig when, the, when, the, when that one zagged, but it doesn't make the movie better. And it doesn't make the plot more. You're not like, Oh, how is she going to figure this out now? No one thinks that because you're so baffled by every other decision. Um, I've got a couple questions for you, Gina. Okay. Uh, the first one is, is Yafakoto's office. Does he have so many rugs in there? just because he enjoys rugs or he's actually filming episodes of MTV's unplugged at night. <laughs> well, he, he probably uh, playing a counselor at an inner city teen center probably doesn't pay very well. So he, I, I would assume that he gets a little extra cashola by, by renting out his, uh, his office space in the evening. <laughs> Which is better the uh, Jason X brain sequence or the Freddie brain sequence? Oh God! Um, I, I I guess the Freddy sequence. I mean, I, I I again, I don't think that every character needs to have an explanation about mm. about why they are you know the way they are. I just I, I think that it's a little more creative, but in a way that it's in a bad way. I guess. <laughs> I do love that she goes inside his mind and all of a sudden it's got uh it kind of looks like the subway set from Michael Jackson's bad video. <laughs> all the doors have dented pounded tin shields on them that conduct purple electricity. I is that how brains work? Is that how anything works? I, I was going to say, this would be a good, someone, someone should do like a whole uh, um, series of movies in which a character physically enters, you know, at least, at least metaphorically, another person's brain. Because uh, you've got like um, a dream catcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got uh, the very recent Dr. Sleep. Uh, there is mm-hmm. a, a, a pretty much a scene in which you're, you're renting another character's mind and just which one, you know, you know, is the most ridiculous rendition of what the inside of someone's head would look like. <laughs> I, I, I do like uh, I don't know if you've seen Dr. Sleep. I, 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 I did like that. It was basically treated like a giant library card catalog, which I, I, I thought was pretty clever. Um, but that's that's the direct King reference to Dreamcatcher. That's right. Because it was all filed. It was all file cabinets and all. And yeah. I think that I think that's kind of cool. You know, here looking like, you know, the, the set of a damn Yankees video. That doesn't really it doesn't really work for me. <laughs> you know, I think that if you want to go, you, know, you either if you want to go dark, which it seems like they kind of do with all the, you know, again, I, I keep harping on it. There are so many references to incest and child molestation to this and it's really i mean again i am dreading the remake dreading it because from what i understand all that and yeah it's it's very much heavily focused on that and and you know, so if you want to go dark, I mean, you know, have his, you know, bunch of screaming souls. It is, it is, you know, have it look like his, you know, his brain is filled with cancer and worms and, and, you know, don't make it look some sort of like hair metal band set. I, I find it mystifying that not only did New Line Cinema try this with 
the last Freddy Krueger movie here. And this is we're we're basically sailing this this franchise off here because the next one is a meditation on not only nightmare movies, but horror movies writ large. And then you have a remake, which is direct, which would not have existed for any. It's not a sequel. It's not continuing anything. It's simply a recreation with fancier special effects. So if we're just looking at Freddy's Dead here, they try this thing where they explain Freddy's backstory. And the only way you can really kill Freddy Krueger is with a family member. Fast forward a couple years later. They get Jason Voorhees rights. They can't call it Friday the 13th, but they can make a Jason movie. So we get Jason goes to hell and they basically remake Freddy's dead. Only they've taken out the Looney Tunes element of it and they've inserted the Terminator in its place. Now it's gone from green to blue, but we still get this. The only person who could kill him is a family member. An all like an unnecessary mystical backstory that he returns over and over again, mm-hmm. even though that is not how we've ever seen him work or operate. And then they they go through his brain in Jason X, and we get it again. Like they are obsessed with this idea, and it never turns into a good movie. And and of course they did it with Halloween too, and yeah. and and. I, I, you've watched, I watched Halloween two a couple of weeks ago for, you know, for the first time in a long time. And, and it just, it never occurred to me when I'd seen it as a kid that they're being related makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Yeah. It makes no sense. And I am so, I, I had my problems with the 2018 reboot, but the best possible decision they could have made was to just you know, remember those other eight movies. Yeah, fuck them; they never happened. Just, just, no. just forget it. She's not his sister. She doesn't know him. She was just some dude. She had the bad luck to run into one night. You know, none of this, none of this thing where he's you know part of a cult. You know, there's no, you know, there's no niece. Well, I mean, there's, there's nothing. There's this is all, all that just gone. That's for it because it's just. I had I had so many questions about why they did this and how this was supposed to work. Where the hell was she when the parents came home and found him outside the house? She would have been a baby. Yeah, I don't. And, and I it's don't just like I, there's so many. There's never been any movie that has been television movie series that has been improved upon by creating a familial relationship between characters that was not there from the beginning. It is probably among the cheapest of, of writing gimmicks. The, the one of my favorite parts of that, that Carpenter version of Halloween is that the movie tells you why he becomes fixated on her. Because she and shows up at his house. Yes. That's it. She has the bad luck to to drop off a key at his house. It is The two people that he encounters, he then stalks for the rest of the movie. Like, it tells you exactly the point of that character from that moment on. Now, as to why he is so mystically fixated... 
Who cares? It's, it's terrifying because you don't know. He just, he and you just would never is. know as any of those characters, you would never go, well, if I could figure out his backstory, then I could use it against him. No. And no one ever does, by the way. No one who ever discovers this information then uses it against that person. It doesn't happen in this movie either. She doesn't learn something about his past and then go, ah, ha, ha, ha. I learned this. Now I'm going to use it against you. None of that happens. Yeah, I mean her just, her brow barely furrows when when she realizes that she is the the daughter of a man who has killed countless children. <laughs> She's just like, oh, all right, I guess. I mean, unless I am misremembering or I didn't write it down or I blinked, at no point is she told in any of those flashbacks that the secret to killing him is blowing him up or biting his nose because both those <laughs> things happen and they're the most effective weapons against him. Oh my God. This, this ending sequence where, where did you notice in the, when they're getting the, uh, the ammunition, I mean, what kind of children are they putting in this teen center where, where <laughs> they have throwing stars and it's a halfway and, house for ninja assassins and sticks of dynamite. And a statue of the Buddha for some reason. <laughs> I assumed that was a bong, but I. Oh, was it? Oh, maybe. Weapon. Maybe. Okay. But it definitely looked like a statue of some kind. Maybe I'm just seeing, I've seen more statues of Buddha slash bongs than most people, but uh, <laughs> that's what I assumed that to be. But again, it's one Buddha bong or statue. And a thousand deadly weapons, like almost as if this be the the generation before the group that's in there now is populated by any of the gang from uh, Death Wish Three. <laughs> <laughs> like all they're missing is like going through the files. Is all right. We got Slim. We got Jackknife. The Giggler. He never made it here. We, we heard about how how they lamented his passing before being interned here, but. The, it's like it's like one of those uh, you know, you know mafia movies where you have to you have to put you know you know, relinquish your weapons before you can go meet the boss and like you've got the the gun under your jacket and then you've got the gun across your back you got the gun on each ankle you've got the little gun hidden inside your 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 sleeve and it's like where is this town and who were these teenagers. <laughs> Yeah, apparently they're part of a Mad Max gang, or they were. I, I honestly, if, if someone had pulled out a rocket launcher, I, I would not have been surprised. <laughs> um, again, w- with this movie with references, uh, Freddie gets pinned up against this wall like Carrie's mom. And oh, right, because because in because in in addition to being a crack child psychiatrist. She's also, Maggie's also really, really great at throwing knives. I guess because the glasses disappear after Freddy dies, that somehow part of his magic comes with him because I guess it's always on the outside. I don't but know. is he good at throwing knives? I Well, I guess not because he has to affect, affix them to his hand. But also, we've never known that he's good at flying on a broom until this movie, and yet we get to see that. Oh, we don't know that he lives inside of parachutes. Uh, this movie was poor, and I went in, I just want everyone to know, I went into it hoping that I would just be 
And that I would be relieved to find out it's just a goofy lark and there's a lot of fun to be had if you just let it wash over you. And no, it wasn't. I tried. I tried to let it wash over me and it wasn't fun and I didn't enjoy it. I wish I could remember this was I, I seen this during a, a, a long period of basically just going to the movies because I had nothing better to do. I think I saw Dr. Giggles around this time period. I'm very interested to reseed Dr. Giggles because I remember almost nothing. I don't remember anything it. about it either. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, as I, as I said in the last episode, I remember what theater I saw this in. I'm pretty sure I remember who I saw it with. I, I think I saw it with a, a, a you know, large group of people. Uh, I don't recall in the slightest what I thought about it at the time. I mean, I am sure because I was a teenager and teenagers are absolutely known for their sterling taste in film that, that <laughs> I I probably enjoyed it more than I did now. But I, I'm just looking at this, I'm like, this is fucking stupid. I mean, I mean, it, it's, you know, with, with the dream child, the dream child at least had an interesting idea. And then someone had to bring in their very strong feelings on abortion into it. And that kind of really mm-hmm. sunk that ship for me. Um, this one, I, I, I can't find the idea that they started with. I think someone really liked, you know, I think they wanted to make a little Twilight Zone I think they wanted to, you know, make a little, little Twin Peaks. You know, they wanted to make a little John Waters and, and none of it works. I mean, if you look at it in comparison to the first Nightmare on Elm Street, that movie is so simple. It's so direct in what it's about. It's, you know, one plot gets you there in a cool hour and a half. You know, it, you're never confused at what's happening. There's never any, you know, jarring tonal shifts. Um, it's, you know, they're not trying for humor, which is good because, you know, the problem, you know, with horror comedy is again, it's, it's tone, it's tone shifts. And, and that's one of the reasons why I, I, I liked the 2018 Halloween. I, but I thought that the tone shifts were a little much and, and there, there's only a small handful of horror comedy that can do it well, you know, your American werewolves in London, your Shaun's of the dead, they, they managed to strike that balance very well. And it's hard to do. Yeah. And um, Cabin I, in the woods would go there for me. Yeah. Cabin so. in the woods. Um, you, you, uh, army of darkness. I, yeah. I mean, you can make, you could argue that's really horror or not. I would say probably more of an adventure movie, but, but there's some horror elements to it. Um, but here, I mean, and again, I, I hate to harp on this, but when you have, you know, someone you obviously traumatized from incest, you know, having a flashback of an encounter with her father, and then you got like, you know, Freddie saying, come to daddy. And it's just like, oh, God, just stop it. You know, pick pick a tone and stick with it. And the end of this movie where, you know, he and Lisa Zane are on top of one another. They look like they want They look like they're going to start making out at once or twice. And it's really disturbing. And, I, and I was shocked. Yeah. Like what? I mean, it is well established that this person is his daughter. And so there is, uh, there can be horror and transgressivism uh, or trans. <laughs> 
how should I put this? And transgressing norms, right? Uh, you could you could uh, argue that that's all horror is because we have an idea of what normality is, and then horror takes that in a way that disquiets us, and therefore we're unnerved, and that leads to shock and and surprise, and we're grossed out and all that stuff. But I don't get that from this. It just looks like they really wanted to hump one another on set and the camera kept running. It is not good, everyone. No, and, and and the 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 you know, it tries to ever briefly hint that she's gonna put the glove on and suddenly she's gonna wanna kill. And it's like again, that's something you've never established up to this point. That the glove no. itself has, you know, magical properties that if the person wearing it will you know, will want to kill. Or that she has violent tendencies that, that she's fighting against. Like, if you wanted to make that movie, you could have. This movie chose not to and then insert the idea at the very end. As if putting on this dream glove is magically going to make her go, Oh, yeah, I do want to murder some children. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> like, Is that what I'm supposed to be scared of? Is that what I'm supposed to be worried about? Because neither of those things occurred. Sorry, everyone. You you can make a perfectly interesting, creepy movie about someone discovering. I mean, it doesn't even have to be, it doesn't even have to be Freddy Krueger's kid. It could be anybody who, you know, discovers that their parent was, you know, a murderer struggling with their own, you know, impulses. You could make that movie, but don't be sticking fucking Roseanne and Tom Arnold in it. You know, yeah. you know, in the moo moo and the funny hat, and just you know, you, you barging onto to, to in, in in front of the camera for thirty seconds. You know, don't have some sort of you know slapsticky, you know, children's movie you know, video game sequence. You know, pick what you want your movie to be about and stick with it. And it's like they figured, okay, well, Freddie's such a, a wise guy that everybody loves. Well, we can't make him be too dark. Well, you could because he is a child murderer. I, I I can't I can't say that enough. In that, despite how you know weird you know, as as you know, an illustration of how weird American pop culture gets, that he became a sort of icon. I I cannot explain that to you. I I in watching these movies, I can't explain why you could get a Freddy doll for children. Or why you had a hotline that you could call and listen to Freddie talk to you. I can't explain that. It's very weird. And, and you know, the fact that, that up to after a certain point, he had to be very wisecracky and, and you know, eliminate any real notion that he actually was scary. You, I, I mean, when, when would you say was the last time these movies were genuinely effective? I'd say Dream Warriors, honestly. That's the puppet sequence and the TV sequence, even though there are some jokes involved, seeing that kid led by his own muscles and tendons down a hallway, it still gets me. Yes. Yeah. Like that is very effective because you know, like, cause it's dark. That's why. And, and they weren't afraid to go there here. The only place, the only dark place they were, they were, they were willing to go to was incest jokes. And it's like, who, who who wants that? Nobody wants that. Well, it's again, we're rubbing up against this, the tonality thing, because 
you know, Carlos and, you know, that is genuinely disturbing that his mother would torture him this way. That's that is disquieting, but it has no place in the same movie that has Looney Tunes references that they are different films and joining them together just makes them both look out of place and you negate any of the impact of either the humor or the disquieting nature of the, these children who were put in terrible harm by the people that they trusted. These are two things that just don't work well together. It is not a peanut butter and chocolate sitch. No, no, I, 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 do not care for this movie at all. I, I like I said, I want my money back from 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 seeing from seeing this in the theater. You know, nineteen years ago, I want my money back. Um. So, would you recommend Freddy's Dead? <laughs> Absolutely not. And we didn't even we didn't even get to the ending where she literally says the title of the movie. God, just just uh, the smugness of the filmmakers. Your job well done. And I'm just like, I'm just like sitting there, like, just like shaking my head with like this, like, grimace of distaste on my face. It's like she lost the bet at lunch and was forced to say it. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is not great. Oh, no, no. And the, then the, the unmitigated gall to spend the entire credit sequence congratulating yourself <laughs> for the other, for the great scenes in five other movies up until this point is kind of like. I'm not sure we learned anything from this, folks. Well, well, it's always it's always good to be reminded of better movies when you're watching a bad movie. <laughs> it's not even a saga cell. It's just a little like they're they they stood up. They they it's like the uh, you went to a Broadway play and the cast went into the audience and stood up <laughs> out of empty seats and started clapping for themselves. <laughs> it's, oh my god. Um, it's, like, it's like Tony and Freddie's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's Freddie's dead. Um, I, I just I I think we've I think we done did it. I I we this will be interesting from this moment on because we're unmoored from a lot of responsibility. If I almost had to to do it over again, I would not have promised New Nightmare, and I would not have promised the remake. <laughs> We, we said it. We got to do it. We got to do it. I, here's the plan going forward, right? After this, I think we're going to take a little bit, bit of a break because it's going to be uh, Christmas time. Uh, it's going to be, you know, Hanukkah. It is the time to remember uh, our religious connections in this world. Uh, so we're going to watch a movie about the rebirth of the devil. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that is one of the craziest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. The entire time I was watching it, I was texting Gina going, please leave work and start watching this movie now. <laughs> um, so I think that's going to be fun. I think we're going to break it up into two. I'm not entirely sure. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, we could just one and done it uh, just to put tell everyone how the sausage is made. We're definitely going to one and done new nightmare because I don't think there's a lot of funny details to it. Like nothing really happens in it, if, as if I recall. It's a meditation. It is a tone poem. It is 
uh, it, it is really not to, I don't want to get far too far into what it's proposing to do, but it's really a, a meditation of a person who is recounting his own career and wondering if he's made bad choices. <laughs> Well, he didn't make Freddy's dead, so no. <laughs> so, and I think New Nightmare has lots of interesting things to offer, but I, I think there, it's like the, this. It's going to be more of a general discussion and then probably pointing out some funny bits, but I don't think we're going to elaborate it. Then we might take a, a breath there and and just try something completely different. And then we'll do the remake. God help us. And I'm not sure how we'll t- tackle the remake. I'm not making any promises. I, at, at very worst, we're going to cut it in half because I'm not going, I, I don't like ha- taking an hour of complaining about something. I I do wonder, and this is weird to say on something I'm not going to edit out, whether or not us com- just complaining about something for an hour is entertaining. <laughs> I, said, I think it is though. <laughs> I know we make each other laugh and I obviously we make enough people laugh that they come, but you know, it's the weird time of year where, you know, people kind of like hold off on, on listening to episodes until January. I don't know. They feel weird about putting us in their ears around their family. That's just, I'm, I'm riffing as to what it could possibly be, (laughs) but uh, our, you know, anytime after Thanksgiving is not exactly a, a road to we're hitting the top of the charts. Um, and then, uh, we have Freddy versus Jason and I am both looking forward to that and dreading it at the same time. I I think a lot, a a lot of people have asked us if we're going to cover that one. Yes, we are going to cover Freddy versus Jason. Yes, we have to. Which is going to take, it's going to take us roughly about six months to get through it. Yeah, it pa- is. Patrick, Patrick's I mean, son will graduate high school by the time we finish Freddy versus Jason. That might be a Jason X sitch. Like, I'm really going to have to plot it out like an old school Friday the 13th because of the sheer volume of deaths in the movie per capita is pretty spectacular. And then we're going to have to confront that Christmas sweater scene. And I'm not looking forward to that at all. So... <laughs> Nor am I looking forward to someone getting drunk because their boyfriend died and her being taken advantage of at a corn maze uh, rave. That's another part I don't like of that movie. And I haven't watched it in over a decade. So that's those are my two impressions. I know those two things are happening. And it was a grave disappointment in comparison to Bride of Chucky, which is one of my favorite 90s horror movies. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. Love it. It's very blue. But it also is a lot of fun. That is a horror comedy that works. Yes, that, a horror that, comedy that works. That is right a fucking Chucky. That just for that, just for that, uh, Damian Blaylock scene alone. That's just like oh. that's comedy gold. That's that sequence where they meet the honeymoon swingers who are trying to steal their wallet, and then Chucky throws a champagne bottle into the mirror. The mirror cut slices these two people to shreds in a waterbed, and it literally is an orgasm. And then <laughs> Chucky goes, I think I love you. <laughs> that is awesome. That is playing with tone. That is comedy that is sex that is 
you know, transgressive behavior. It is everything you want in this kind of movie. And I'm sorry, everyone. Freddy's dead is not that. Absolutely not. The director went on to much better things, everyone. She survived. Thank God. Uh, She makes great Doctor Who episodes. She makes great Game of Thrones episodes. It's all all right. She should be making movies, but, you know, we live in a society, as (laughs) I've been told online. Um, So that just, I'm not even, we're not even fucking choose your own death venture. You know what I choose? Life. Yeah. Life outside of this movie. I choose getting my money back. (laughs) Uh, And so that just about does it. Please uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Um, We've kind of hit another lull. So if you haven't rated and reviewed us on iTunes, I greatly appreciate it. It helps us be seen and heard by more people and bumps us up the charts beyond just our listens. It is actually important. And if you love a podcast like ours or like any podcast, please rate and review them. It actually does help. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I have my own uh, website, which I write about TV and movies and pop culture at GinaRackliff.com. I am also a writer at thespool.net. I am currently uh, recapping His Dark Materials, which is a written much better better than freddy's dead um <laughs> and i uh i'm also on twitter under porcelain 72 uh we're on twitter at kill by kill pod instagram at kill by kill podcast we have a facebook group and page uh depending on your level of commitment and that just about does it for this time uh we'll see you in a couple weeks everybody until then goodbye bye Kill by Kill is produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. A Nightmare on Elm Street is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill's logos were created by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.